Welcome to, I got started too early. Welcome to NGSBA's uh, podcast program, Conversation on New Jersey uh, Education and uh, School Law Edition, uh, School Law Today Edition. Uh, and I'll introduce our guests in a little bit. Uh, but if you want to participate in the program, all you have to do is dial 1-347-989-8904 and press 1. That will indicate on our switchboard that you want to have a question or pass on a comment. And Michael, who's working our switchboard, will get on to you. If you want to also uh, participate, we have a chat room feature. You have to log in with Blog Talk Radio, but there's no fee for that. Uh, and you can just type in a question, and I will pass it on to our guests. Uh, our guest today uh, is Lester Taylor III. Uh, he's a partner with uh, the law firm of Florio, Perucci, Steinhardt, and Fader. Uh, welcome, Lester. Good afternoon, Ray. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I would say my pleasure, but we're doing a sexual harassment, which is not a, usually a, a you know not a pleasant topic. Um, but before we get to that, uh, just tell us a little bit about your experience with uh, school law and a little bit about the firm, just you know, in a, briefly. Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, well, I'm a partner here at Florio Perucci. Um, I chair our firm's education practice. I've been practicing law for almost 20 years. Um, again, I specialize in education. We represent a number of school districts across the entire state of New Jersey, um, large urban school districts uh, to smaller suburban school districts um, in various capacities, general counsel, special education, uh, workers' compensation, labor and employment, and negotiations. Um, we're proud to say um, that we are partners in our client's success, and uh, we are looking forward to continuing to grow our practice and be of service to our clients. Okay, uh, our topic, you know, in recent times, recent months, or I guess this past year, um, sexual harassment has really become a story that's grabbed a lot of headlines, uh, not necessarily in the field of education, but it is important. Uh, school districts are often the, the largest employer in the district, so we do have those type of responsibilities. Uh, Lester, first of all, as we go into this, let's define what sexual harassment is. Uh, what is it? Sure, thank you. Well, sexual harassment is essentially any unwelcome sexual advance, uh, request for favors, um, or other verbal or physical conduct of a sex sexual nature. Um, and it also has certain uh, uh, prongs affiliated with those alleged acts, um, essentially being whether submission of that conduct, submission to rather, excuse me, that conduct or communication um, is made a term and condition of employment, um, whether it is a basis for decisions um, affecting employment, um, promotions, or, or assignments, um, and whether it, it purposefully has an effect um, or substantially in interferes with the individual's work performance and education. Um, and in essence, whether it creates an uh, intimidating, hostile, or otherwise offensive working and or educational environment. Um, and within that, that, that general overview of a definition, there are two types, uh, quid pro quo, um, essentially this for that, if you do this, you'll get that, um, or the hostile work environment, which is usually more of a systemic issue that creates an abusive or hostile work environment um, that has to be severe and or pervasive that you know affects the overall working climate. So uh, if I'm hearing you right, uh, the, the, the two, one is I guess would be more of a, a supervisor in the school district, an administrator to a teacher or a principal to a teacher, uh, whereas the, other, the the second one, uh, when you were talking about hostile work environment, that's more uh, maybe uh, two staff members who are of the kind of equal on the 
organizational chart. Is that correct? That, that, that's fair to say. I would say that both categories can apply to the supervisory employee, but the that's quid true. pro quo um, is typically limited to the supervisor. So you have in a school setting the superintendent, uh, the, the principal, the director of the department, um, you know, asking for sexual favors or, or, or um, saying certain things of innuendo. Um, and if you submit to this request, if you say yes, you'll get the recommendation for the promotion, you'll get the raise, you'll get the plum assignment. Um, whereas the hostile work environment typically is amongst peers um, and or a subordinate to a superior um, in terms of not being in a position to, to grant any particular benefit per se, um, but nonetheless uh, conducting themselves in an inappropriate fashion in a workplace setting. Um, you know, we've heard a lot in, in the news, uh, been grabbing headlines in, in various fields uh, about uh, uh, sexual harassment or something along those lines. How prevalent is it in the workplace, though? Well, and, and A, Ray, thank you so much for pointing out in the beginning that, you know, a school district is a workplace. Um, it's, it's often the largest employer in a given town, um, particularly when it comes to, you know, public sector employment you know, the municipality versus the school board. Uh, not only is the budget oftentimes, you know, twice the amount of the municipality, but they often employ two and three times the amount of people. Uh, but that being said, when it comes to the prevalence of sexual harassment, you know, it, not since around the early 90s uh, when Anita Hill accused now Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment has the issue uh, garnered so much attention. Um, and what's interesting about that particular point of reference is that they both worked for the U.S. Department of Education uh, and the EEOC. Um, and so, you know, mm. two federal entities that are directly, you know, related to our local school districts. Um, but according to a, a recent report from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, um, conservatively about one in four women a report being affected by sexual harassment. Um, and the number actually goes up to as high as 85%, depending on how the question is phrased, given various factors and levels of sexual harassment. Um, you know, other studies show that at least half of women over the course of their you know, professional working experience um, will be and or have been affected by sexual harassment. Um, about 40% of males report witnessing, not being the, you know, the, the accused person, but witnessing sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, and what's also shocking, and but I think that some of the current um, uh, awareness that's being raised by it will change this number, um, but about 75% of women who are victim to sexual harassment fail or otherwise refuse to report it. And so it's interesting and, and necessary that through programs like this that we continue to raise awareness about sexual harassment. Um, you know, we're, we're very familiar now with the hashtag MeToo movement um, that has, you know, really gained momentum uh, in 2017. It started years before that, but with the issues out in Hollywood with Harvey Weinstein um, and, and since then, uh, CEOs of, of Fortune 500 companies, uh, business executives uh, in the hip-hop industry, um, politicians being accused of sexual harassment, um, I believe Fox News paid out almost $15 million due to one of their reporters' you know, indiscretions. Um, and so the reality is that it's been happening for a long time. The stats are alarming, um, but it's important that we raise awareness and provide a remedy for employees, women or men, 
uh, to report instances um, and incidents where they are violated. Yeah, I would agree with you that report where women fail to report it is probably something that down that is going to be changing over the next few years, uh, particularly with the notoriety it's gotten in the newspaper. Um, and but if you take that statistic, that means a lot. Of, now I, I should say this: I guess this holds just for same-sex uh, uh, relationships too. This is not correct. just a man-woman. It. So, um, yeah, correct. Yeah. So as we move forward, some people may have been act, doing some risky, some behavior that they didn't get in trouble for 10, 15 years ago. Uh, or, you know, they may not have made friends, but they, they've acted a certain way. Uh, but acting that same way now might, br- someone's more likely to bring, a, a, a report up on them. Uh, what are some of the behaviors that would, uh, lead to a report? What are the risky behaviors? Um, I, I hate to say it, but it, it, it's common sense. I mean, if you wouldn't do it or you wouldn't want your son or daughter um, uh, to be subject to it or, or you wouldn't want your husband or wife to find out about it, you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> uh, obvious risky behaviors are sexually suggestive jokes, um, you know, in the workplace, inappropriate, uh, sound, you know, gestures, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's just the guys talking in the break room. There, there could be a, a woman walking by or someone else who could be offended by it. Um, you know, spreading rumors about, you know, coworkers and, and their indiscretions, habits, preferences, et cetera. Um, displaying, you know, the, the, the proverbial, you know, picture of the swimsuit model in your, in your locker or in your cubicle um, or in your office. Um, you know, those types of uh, acts are, are inappropriate. Um, and in some respects, um, in many respects, rather, you know, just, just ogling or, 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 you know, staring uh, too long at your coworkers, irrespective of how they may be dressed, um, is inappropriate and could have the effect of uh, making someone feel offended or violated or what have you. And, you know, what's interesting about the whole theme, um, theme is probably the wrong word, but the issue of sexual harassment is intent is irrelevant. And, and so... Mm. And also, consent is a defense. Um, you know, many of us, you know, especially in a school setting, you know, many of us know a teacher um, who met their, you know, husband, wife, um, you know, in the school setting, and they lived happily ever after. Um, and so, you know, not every school district or every employer has a policy against, you know, fraternization, so to speak. Um, however, um, if and when that courting or, or that flirting or that activity becomes unwelcome, it quickly gets into the sexual harassment uh, uh, lens. So uh, let's talk about the role of the the board in the district uh, because, uh, as you said and I said earlier, I think you're correct. I think it is the largest employer and probably the majority of the school communities uh, in New Jersey. Um, So what are some things that they can put into place uh, to help prevent this? happening in their district. No, I appreciate that. I mean, there's a, a lot of different things in terms of what districts can do. Um, the reality is that it starts with policy. Um, you know, and the New Jersey School Boards Association does a phenomenal job of, of working with member school districts um, in terms of governance, ethics, and training. Um, but it starts on a local level with the school district 
um, in the Board of Education, you know, its primary purpose and function is to, you know, set policy to ensure that districts are, you know, able to run efficiently day to day. Um, so you have to adopt a policy, um, and you have to regularly communicate that policy to your staff. Um, and I would submit that it should be communicated to all levels of staff, not just to the central administration and not just to the principals, um, but to, you know, all levels of staff. Um, you know, when investigations or when uh, allegations are made, um, there should be and needs to be a, a reporting and investigative process that is prompt and thorough to make sure that these uh, allegations are thoroughly investigated. Um, quite frankly, and seemingly obvious um, point is that the reporting structure shouldn't force the victim to make the report to the aggressor, <laughs> the person who's doing the sexual harassing. So if it's a, if it's if your policy says report it, report any instances of sexual harassment to the principal, and that's the only you know uh, avenue. If the principal is the one doing the sexual harassment, it, it's kind of awkward for the employee to have to make a report to that person. Um, and so there should be a separately designated person, whether it be the affirmative action officer um, or some other employee within the district and or another option if the person so designated um, is you know, potentially uh, the, the uh, accused. Um, school districts, as all employers, should conduct annual um, as well as periodic anti-harassment trainings sessions uh, throughout their employee population. Um, that should be part of an overall culture um, that, you know, sends a message to the employees that uh, sexual harassment, uh, any form of discrimination is not tolerated, will not be condoned, um, and quite frankly will be met with swift and, and if necessary, severe punishment. Um, obviously not capital, but it may result in a loss of employment. Um, and, you know, one of the other things that employers can do um, is, you know, hire, um, but not just stop at hiring, but, but provide real advancement opportunities uh, for females um, in the workplace so that we truly have a level playing field. Um, and I say for females because typically you hear sexual harassment, you think of the female being the victim, but it, it goes to just overall diversity in general. Um, school districts should lead by example um, and have a, a, a climate and culture that we often hear relative to the students um, in our school districts, in our buildings, but the climate and culture for the employee population uh, should be um, equally open and transparent to provide um, opportunities for upward mobility and leadership, um, which the more diverse the leadership is, probably the more equal the setting will be. And then just, just lastly, I'll say, um, I started off referencing uh, New Jersey School Boards Association, which you know is not a plug for you per se, but it's just giving credit where credit is due, um, through your policy, critical policy reference manual. Um, a lot of the work is already done for school districts. Um, you know, there are critical policy references, um, numbers 2224, uh, 4111.1, as well as 5145.4, all of which deal with non-discrimination and affirmative action, whether it be for administration, uh, instructional and support personnel, uh, and or for students. And so it's important that these policies be adopted and implemented, but also not just left on the shelf to collect dust, but be you know, really made a living and breathing um, uh, tool to use on an annual um, and more frequent basis to educate uh, and notify your staff.
Um, it would seem in a lot of these situations, uh, it, uh, the, the term he said, she said, uh, is there a standard uh, that kind of has to be met to, in these instances? Yes. Essentially, the standard is the, the reasonable man standard. It's a standard that lawyers kind of learn uh, in, in their first year of law school. Uh, so the reasonable person, the reasonable woman standard, um, you know, if someone, you know, as my pastor says, you know, someone blessed with a reasonable portion of common sense will be offended, then you might have some problems. <laughs> um, but what I'll also say is, in many respects, you know, there's a you, you can't necessarily police what every employee in your organization does. Um, you know, some school districts have 5,000 employees, and so no matter how many policies you have, you know, someone's bound to run afoul of, of some, you know, expected rule and or regulation within your organization. Um, but what often, uh, I'll say, heightens the exposure, uh, financial exposure and or just a finding of liability on an employer um, in a school district in particular is the investigative process or lack thereof, um, mm -hmm. the existence of a policy or lack thereof. Um, and so, you know, if, you know, employee A sexually harasses employee B, um, as wrong as that may be, the liability and the dollar value of that case may be enhanced if the employer sweeps it under the rug. Uh, takes six months to conduct an investigation versus, you know, six days or six weeks. Um, you know, gives a slap on the wrist versus taking it seriously. Um, you know, makes the accuser the victim, so to speak. So these are certain things that, that can detrimentally affect the standing of a school district um, and an employer in these uh, situations. Uh, I'm going to do a quick follow-up, but first, uh, if anyone's listening, uh, they can join our chat room and they can uh, type in a question. I'll pass it on to Lester. Uh, and if you're on the line, uh, you can call 1347-989-8904 and press 1 uh, and we'll put you uh, on the line and you can ask a question to Lester directly. Um, Lester, so the, the board has to be cons uh, uh, has to be considered with the liability that it, they can't I guess it looks like, you know, I'll paraphrase what you were saying, it seems that you have to have a policy in place to deal with this, and then you also have to make sure the policy is all your employees and uh, are aware of it. Uh, but if something occurs, and this is where things probably could fall through, uh, you know, if, if you don't really take it seriously and act on it fairly quickly, the district could be in trouble. Correct, correct. Um, you know, it, it goes back to recognizing that, you know, this is a business. You know, the, the superintendent is the CEO of a major corporation. I mean, we have school districts in our state that have budgets uh, approaching, if not exceeding, $1 billion per year. Um, and even if the school district budget is 500000 as we said earlier, it, it still is likely the largest employer in that respective town. Um, so it's important to recognize that your employer-employee relations um, and, and how issues are managed can have, you know, major financial, uh, reputational, and, and professional um, pitfalls, so to speak. Um, school districts can be sued, um, as, you know, we all know. That's why we have lawyers. So, um, but uh -huh. that being said, <laughs> um, you know, it's important to take this issue seriously. 
Um, districts not only should review their current practices and their policies, but they also, their policies being their governing documents, um, but they also should look at their insurance uh, policies that they may have. Um, you know, there is a, a, a product out there that I'm aware of um, that provides coverage uh, for, you know, employment-related actions um, and allegations um, such as sexual harassment, uh, discrimination, uh, wrongful termination, and retaliation. Um, is typically uh, employment practices liability, EPL, and so that can provide coverage for, you know, the accused, the, the employing board of education, board members, um, and or the supervisory employees uh, who may be uh, accused of sexual harassment. Um, local school boards should, you know, check with their insurance brokers or vendors. There's a number of them out there, you know, New Jersey School Board Insurance Group, um, you know, Alamo, Fairview, Connor Strong. There's a number of school districts or, or rather brokers that can help provide the expertise from a coverage standpoint. Um, but districts need to recognize that there is liability. Um, you know, I once had a, just to give you an example, um, I had a school board um, member years and years ago who made a flippant comment to a, an employee um, before a board meeting started as folks were assembling and, and filing into the, I guess, the auditorium or the library where the school board meeting was. Um, and, you know, the board member essentially said, if you, if you smile at me, I'll vote for you, something to that effect. Um, you know, I, I guess a joke or a flirtatious comment. Um, and while his intent may have been well-intentioned, um, the employee took offense to that and, and, quite frankly, was concerned about whether that was a quid pro quo, whether she had to submit to this, you know, perceived come on to get the advancement that the superintendent was recommending that evening. Um, and that board member had to pay a consequence from that action. So it's important that, you know, people recognize that this is a business that they are uh, governing and or running um, and, and take that into account when they interact with their subordinates um, and or amongst their peers. Uh, that's interesting because I'll lead into I had two things about we've been focusing mostly as being the employer uh, and the staff members. So uh, in the example you gave, the board member has to be aware of their own actions. Uh, uh, I know they're not an employee, but they are uh, – they are on the board, so they have to be aware of their own actions in regards to employees and, I guess, fellow board members. Correct, correct. And just in, in the liability, are, are, is the board member covered by the insurance, or are they on the hook for the, their own defense and something like this? Well, it, it depends. Uh, that's why you have lawyers. <laughs> um, but it, it, depends on, <laughs> it depends on the policy. It depends on, you know, the, the totality of the circumstances, it depends on you know what the outcome of the the vote would be. Um, it depends on you know as I mentioned earlier, you know if there was a formal complaint made, what the investigation, you know how that uh, process um, uh, was carried out. Um, because sometimes the the mere fact of an incident or act of sexual harassment occurring, that in and of itself may not necessarily expose an employer to financial liability um, and or remedial liability in terms of doing more training or, or buying materials or resources. Um, so it really is a very fact-sensitive analysis, um, but it's important for board members as elected and or appointed officials with a fiduciary obligation to the district, you know, subject to and bound by the Code of Ethics, 
um, also be mindful um, of the very policies that they are charged with uh, approving and implementing for their superintendent to run the day-to-day administration of the district. Okay. Uh, most of the uh, people in a school building are students. Uh, so is there any concern with the students? And, it, and I'm sure there is concern, but how is it different if it in that area? Um, no, great question. Um, great question because after all, we you know whatever our lane that we're in, um, we're all here for the children. Um, and I have to say, I, I literally in my preparation for this podcast, um, I came across a recent article in the New Jersey School Board Association magazine. I believe the latest edition, January and February, um, authored by uh, Carolyn Chaudry. Um, forgive me if I mispronounce her name. Um, and the title is hashtag Me Too in Schools. Um, mm-hmm. And in that article, you know, she has a, a, a site um, or a stat from the American Association of University Women that says 48% of students in grades 7 through 12 experience some sort of sexual harassment. And this is relating to the 2010-11 school year. So 48% of students in grades 7 through 12. Um, you know, I'm a parent. Um, and, you know, we all would like to think that our children wouldn't be exposed to, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends until they're 25 years old. Um, but to to hear it happening in 6th and 7th grade is, is alarming. Um, you know, from a legal standpoint, a lot of the laws and statutes um, in the sexual harassment field, you know, protect employees, um, i.e. the adults in the building. Um, you have Title VII. Um, that protects adults from sexual harassment. And you have the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, which, you know, enforces that and provides guidance. Um, and you also have the Law Against Discrimination, which, you know, New Jersey Law Against Discrimination, which protects uh, employees. Uh, but there's also a provision in that where students can avail themselves of the protections of the law. Um, so while Title VII may not necessarily protect a student, um, you do have uh, something called Title IX, um, which can be used by students, you know, through their parents or guardians and, and attorneys um, to initiate an action against a school district um, whereby they would be alleging, you know, not just sexual harassment, but they would have to show that a, you know, school district's uh, culpability or is culpable and was culpable by allowing the harassment to occur in the school setting. Um, and, you know, those actions are often brought before the U.S. Office of Civil Rights. Um, and another provision um, which can be used by students um, is something that we all have, have become intimately familiar with over the last several years is the HIV statute, uh, Harassment, Intimidation, and Bullying, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights. Um, the citation is NJSA 18A colon 37-15. Um, and that statute prohibits harassment, intimidation, and bullying, you know, on school grounds, school-sponsored you know, affairs, et cetera. And that also could be used to, to, to trigger um, or, or, or to, to litigate and, and prosecute claims of uh, sexual harassment. Um, but what I also would like to do is just, you know, commend um, our, you know, New Jersey legislature. Um, you know, it's my understanding that the Education Committee and the General Assembly, uh, chaired by Assemblywoman Pamela Lampett, um, just about a month ago, not even a month ago, two weeks ago, on February 13th, you know, they had a marathon session um, which had a number of education-related 
bills um, aimed at protecting children um, and educating children. Um, one is A-2189-2189, uh, which requires school districts to include instruction on the consequences of distributing uh, sexual expli sexually explicit images through electronic means, um, you know, cell phones and Twitter and email and all that kind of good stuff. Um, another one, A-2190, requires school districts to incorporate instruction in grades 6 through 12 um, on the law and the meaning of consent for physical contact and sexual activity. Um, again, we are seeing, you know, more and more um, and, and really at an alarming rate, um, not just on college campuses, um, but in high school settings and middle school settings of, you know, sexually aggressive behavior, whether it be in dating relationships um, and or, you know, otherwise. And so, you know, I'm happy that our, you know, New Jersey elected officials are, you know, getting ahead of the curve to enact legislation that doesn't just criminalize and penalize, but really educates and requires that students and staff be educated about, you know, what is and is not respectable and acceptable, you know, ways of uh, having interpersonal relationships. And, you know, one other new piece of legislation which is coming up, and this jumps back to the employees, but it's geared to protect students. Um, I believe NJ.com, you know, in a recent article referred to it as uh, don't pass the junk or something to that effect. And forgive me pass if I have... Pass the trash. Oh. What's that? Don't pass the trash. Don't, there we go. Don't pass that the trash. That was the legislation. Yeah, don't pass the trash. And that that's very, you know, as, as a school board lawyer who, you know, for, you know, the past two decades, you know, I, I've probably negotiated these types of deals um, whereby, you know, employee gets accused of of uh, inappropriate sexual relationship with a student um, or inappropriately touching a student um, or saying something of a sexually suggestive um, uh, manner to a student. And as offensive as the allegation is, the proofs may not be there. Um, you know, there may not be enough evidence to really, um, A, when you refer it to the local police um, and or the county prosecutor's office, um, they don't find probable cause to initiate, you know, any criminal charges, and so they refer it back to the employer, the school district, to handle. Um, the school district, albeit a much lower burden of proof, in a tenure charge scenario, um, and or just a just cause scenario to, to terminate an employee may have some, some challenges and issues. And so the, 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 the easy way, the convenient way is to the person will resign. Um, and you do a mm -hmm. settlement agreement that has a confidentiality clause that says nobody will talk about the allegations that prompted the resignation, um, particularly and more alarming when the employee is a tenured staff member. Like who would leave a tenured job unless it was something really serious? Um, but this new law um, in the Senate is S-414. Uh, in the Assembly, it's uh, 3381. It essentially requires school districts to review the employment history of prospective employees, um, those who will have regular contact with students, to ascertain whether they have a history um, and any prior allegations of child abuse or sexual misconduct. It goes a step further by requiring or rather prohibiting schools from hiring that person if they haven't done this background check, and it requires school personnel to actually reach out to all the references to inquire as to whether there are any allegations, investigations, et cetera. And it goes even further by prohibiting uh, confidentiality agreements. 
Um, and so if and when this, uh, these bills become law, it will prohibit employing boards of education from entering a confidentiality agreement with an employee who agrees to resign um, conditioned upon, uh, you know, uh, not saying anything about the underlying uh, offensive um, allegation of sexual harassment uh, staff against students. So there are some measures being taken in New Jersey right now um, that you know, I don't think are reactive or reactionary, uh, excuse me, to the awareness that's coming out across the country, but I think are leading um, our entire country in protecting students. Uh, I have two. We're running out of time. Uh, two quick uh, thoughts. Uh, the last one, because you mentioned it, uh, uh, I think, with the students, uh, but uh, sexual harassment can uh, occur electronically, too, and uh, I'm sure that would be more likely with the students, but it can happen by sending pictures, I assume, or, or emails that are a little suggestive and those type of things? Uh, absolutely. It can be everything from forwarding a, a you know, off-color joke um, you know, to a group of staff members. Um, it could be the unintentional reply all with some material that you didn't necessarily intend to reply all with. Um, you know, there are scenarios where employees will take pictures of, you know, areas of their body and send it to someone thinking that would be, you know, well-received. Um, particularly when they may not be in a relationship where something like that would be expected to be transmitted. Um, and and the, the list goes on and on. Um, and so, you know, with the advent of technology, it's important for, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to educate students about how to use it. You know, we, we tell them that, you know, the, the picture you send or the, the, the offensive joke or, or comment you make to someone just because you press, press delete doesn't go away. It's, you know, it's out there in the cloud somewhere or in the matrix, as I call it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the, the staff members, teachers, and educators um, need to be guided by that same theme and kind of practice what they preach as well. Uh, and my one last question, I would just say with electronically, it makes it easier to prove that you've done something wrong as opposed to a there's a proof there, that written proof. That, uh, you've You're absolutely right. It's, and I always say, just because you press delete doesn't mean it's deleted. <laughs> um, just any final comments as we come to the end? Any recommendations uh, that you could briefly tell uh, our board members? Well, A, uh, you know, thank you again for the opportunity um, to be on the show. Um, again, you know, my law firm is Florio Perucci Steinhardt. Um, we just changed the name to Capelli, so Florio Perucci Steinhardt and Capelli. Uh, we have three offices in New Jersey, uh, one in Bergen County in Rochelle Park, Warren County in Phillipsburg, and down in Camden County in Cherry Hill. Um, and we provide an array of services to school districts and other public entities, and we're very proud to be a leader in the field of school law. Um, I would just like to remind, uh, remind rather, excuse me, remind um, those listening, um, and please share it with you know, your colleagues and your administrators in your local school districts it's important to reevaluate and reassess your current policies to try to ensure that you are operating with the latest and best practices as pertains to uh, notifying and, and educating your employee population about the issue of sexual harassment. Um, those small steps can save you big dollars in the future. Okay, that brings us to the end of the program. I'd like to thank Lester Taylor for joining us. Thank you, Lester.
Thank you. And that brings us to the end of the program. I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, as Lester said, please uh, forward it on to uh, your, your, your colleagues. And everyone have a good afternoon.